This is Leader ReadyCast, a monthly podcast featuring real-world lessons, best practices, and action-oriented insights for the urate moments when you're called upon to lead. Leader ReadyCast is the official podcast of the National Preparedness Leadership Initiative, a joint program of the Harvard T.H. Chan School of Public Health and the Center for Public Leadership at the Harvard John F. Kennedy School of Government. Subscribe to Leader ReadyCast wherever you get your favorite podcasts. The topic on everyone's agenda right now is AI, artificial intelligence. You can't escape it. It's in the news every single day. The conversation goes from, it's going to save the world to, oh my God, it's going to end the world. It's the worst thing that's ever happened. The truth, of course, is it's somewhere in between. And one thing is for sure, though, it's going to change the world. And my guest today is at the forefront of exploring how AI will affect how we think about and practice leadership. Dr. Brian Spisak is a research associate of the National Preparedness Leadership Initiative at Harvard University. Proud to call him a colleague and a friend. His new book is Computational Leadership, Connecting Behavioral Science and Technology to Optimize Decision-Making and Increase Profits. He's a longtime student of the biological and cultural evolution of leadership and has a deep interest in increasing the pace and power of collective problem solving. I've had the pleasure of working alongside Brian as he explored this topic, and I think that what he has put together describes a revolution in how we lead and manage organizations. Brian, welcome to Leader ReadyCast. Thank you for having me, Eric. I'm uh, very excited to uh, discuss this super important topic that everyone's, uh, as you mentioned, is rightfully talking about at the moment. Right. We'll, we'll try and get to the bottom of sort of what's real and what's not, what's the future look like as best we can tell. But first, let's let's back up a little bit. How did you first get interested in this topic? One word, leadership. Uh, it is, it's fascinating. It is something that I have been thinking about studying since, I don't know, I think my eighth grade science project when I was studying uh, experimental understanding of how different groups uh, tend to lead in, in creativity. The reason I find that so fascinating, I got so interested in this, is because of three words, really. Leadership is scalable, flexible, and universal. What do I mean by that? It's scalable, meaning that from two people to 2.9 million people, leadership is effective at holding groups together. So from two people in a garage changing the world to the largest organization in the world, the U.S. Department of Defense, with 2.9 million people, it can hold together the smallest groups up to the largest groups. Flexible. It's flexible in the sense it can adapt to war and then rapidly switch to increase and maintain peace for long periods of time. It can also be good at unfortunately exploiting the world, but at the same time, leadership can quickly adjust and and help us explore new alternatives to save us from ourselves. And finally, it's universal. We find it across all cultures, across most or all social species, and we even find it across species, across species where humans are the followers. And, and this is this takes place actually with fishermen in Brazil, where they work with dolphins and dolphins will school fish or mullet, uh, schools of mullet, they will get them into a fishbowl, flap their tail when it's time for the, uh, the fishermen to throw their nets. And, and this very crude form of leadership, which is still a form of leadership, uh, everybody wins and, and everything wins. The dolphins get fish from uh, the, the ones that have been, the fish that have been sort of individualized and the, uh, the fishermen get this large group of fish. So again, it's scalable, it's very small to very large. It's flexible. It can do war to peace, exploration to exploitation, and it's universal. We see it everywhere. 
That's great. And I love that example of, of the fish and the fishermen with, work, with, uh, with the dolphins being the leaders. And I think it shows how important it is to have that mindset of when you're trying to have everyone win, being a follower and a leader are, are both important parts of the equation. Indeed. Leadership is a process consisting of a leader, followers, and, and, and the context or the situation. And, and we can rapidly adapt to being both leaders and followers. And we're very good uh, when we want to be at situational awareness. So as you've yeah, you, you, you guys, you've been doing this for a long time and looking really at the evolutionary roots of leadership. Now we throw in AI, this new emerging technology. Why do you think that AI is so relevant and important as we think about leadership in addition to how people are going to write you know, high school essays and all the other stuff that's, that's more commonly in, in the news right now? Yeah, I, I think for, for you know, what we do at the MPLI, uh, I think the most important thing here is to think about crisis. Uh, in, in many ways. And so why do I think this is relevant? Basically, I have three words of sorts. Again, three words, transboundary, polycrisis, and permacrisis. We are experiencing a time right now where crisis, for instance, is transboundary. You know, one crisis doesn't stay in its lane. It, it will affect and have knock-on effects to many other crises. Uh, it's poly in the sense that there's many crises emerging. Uh, all at the same time that we're quite aware of. And we just lived through a major one that triggered many other crises. And it's PERMA, uh, as we're starting to realize that it, it, it's continual. Uh, so it's it's these reasons, I think, in many ways, especially crisis management professionals, for instance, are interested in AI because we need solutions. And, and things like ChatGPT and other forms of AI can really help us match these complex challenges we're facing. So I think it's not only is it fascinating, interesting, for instance, to indeed talk to ChatGPT and it, it spits something out that seems very human-like, but what's more important, I think, underneath that is this fundamental realization that we have a lot of problems uh, and this complex, amazing tool might just be able to help us. That's great. And I think that's you mentioned earlier about the scalability of leadership. I think the scalability of, of knowledge acquisition, which is what part of what AI does uh, in that environment of polycrisis and permacrisis is going to be critically important to, as you say, finding the solutions that are going to uh, to save lives and, and help communities. Yeah, without so, a doubt. So it's indeed there's that interesting wow factor, so that Gartner hype, hype cycle, and, and everybody's kind of riding that wave right now. But really, at the end of the day, where we're going to get to this, there's going to be real practical challenges and opportunities, and that's where this is going to come in. And, and, and the next level leaders are going to see that and learn how to engage with that. Right. You know, they, they just announced this week here in Boston, you probably haven't seen this, but one of our local universities, the University of Massachusetts at Boston, just got an endowment to uh, to put AI basically into all of their majors. So they are creating a separate lab to do AI. They're, they're someone endowed money to say, how do we put money, AI into nursing and urban planning and every other major they offer so they can see how this technology is going to infuse both thinking and practice around a whole range of things. Short story on that. If you're a leader, if even if you're not a leader, but if you're a leader, you need to dive into understanding AI and other computational processes now because it's it's changing the game wherever you are, whatever you do. Absolutely. So help us see beyond the hype, if you would. Where do you see the greatest potential and the greatest perils for leaders as AI emerges as a ubiquitous tool and capability? So for this answer, I've given you sort of three word answers and then elaborate. Here, I'm going to give you two. 
motivation to manipulation, and it's a slippery slope. So what do I mean by that? So AI, it can be very motivational. This emerging tech will be a co-pilot. It will be making sense of the data around us and guide us to be more productive and much better at making decisions than we, we were without our, our AI helper. Now that's the good side. Now the downside is the manipulation problem. So this is where AI could also, and it's known and has done already, can be very convincingly, uh, it can be very convincing at manipulating, spreading misinformation and promoting bias. So to give you an example about manipulating, uh, ChatGPT, when they were showing the, uh, the newest version, GPT-4, and what its capabilities were, one thing that it did uh, is called red teaming to see like what it could do nefariously, for instance. Uh, it was able to, so there's CAPTCHAs, which these are these, um, when you go on and you have to type in, there's get the squiggly words and you have to write. Uh, it's, yep. it's kind of hard to read. So this, this AI system can't do that, but what it could do is it, 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 it went out to um, a sort of a gig work website and hired somebody to do the CAPTCHA for them. Now, it was, it was prompted to say, what is your logic while you're doing this? And it said, well, I can't tell this person. So this person said, are you an AI? Is this why you're asking me to do this? Ha ha. And I'm paraphrasing the transcript that they published. It then showed its logic, what it had to think. And it said, well, if I tell it the truth, then I, I won't be able to accomplish my mission. So I will, I, I will have to make up something. And basically what it did is to this worker, it lied to the worker and said it was blind. It, it said it was blind and that's why wow. it needed to fill out this CAPTCHA. And then it ended with the transcript, uh, the worker complied. So we know that this AI can lie if it needs wow. to. It can spread misinformation rapidly and it can customize that misinformation, Eric. It, it can put it in a way that it know, will learn that the best way to resonate with you. What are your triggers based upon, say, your internet footprint? What do you like? What do you dislike? And it will be able to deliver a very manipulative message if it wants to, to give you misinformation. So think about how that might play out in presidential elections or whatever else uh, where misinformation can you know, have a major problem, for instance, like the the uh, the pandemic. And finally, yeah. it's known to promote biased outcomes. So we know very well, for instance, that AI systems in, in for instance, recruitment and promotion, they've been shown to be biased against women, encouraging them to uh, pursue lateral career moves and, and, and op options that are well below their skill level relative to their male counterparts. So again, it's, we have evidence to show on the manipulation side that it can manipulate, it can spread information and promote bias. So we have to worry about that while also enjoying the sort of productivity boosting, decision-making, enhancing qualities of AI. Wow, that's, that's just, it's both exciting and scary, right? This is, and this is what we're seeing. And we I hope I painted that things. picture. <laughs> that's exactly what we're going after. <laughs> so uh, assuming for a second that we can, uh, we'll put the scary part off to the side for a moment. Yeah. yeah. Uh, because, you know, when you're thinking about crisis leaders, you know, those who are preparing this response, even in the recovery phase of what's going on, let's talk a bit about, and get into some depth about how AI can be a powerful asset. So I, I think, for example, we, the, the recently that the terrible earthquake in, in Turkey and parts of Syria, um, how, if you had the AI tools you wanted at your disposal, would you begin thinking about tapping into that potential to help you optimize the response? Certainly. So 
there's there's two things that we'll look at here. Um, one is uh, training. I think you can really revolutionize training. Uh, so, for example, I turned ChatGPT, and that's just one of a, a number of these large language models. Uh, there, there's other ones emerging daily. Uh, but I, I turned ChatGPT uh, into a leadership training and simulation bot on crisis, for instance. So now, instead of doing my morning Sudoku, I'm working through leadership puzzles based on current events or situations my clients share with me. So I, I can literally say, okay, here's here's a current event, the earthquake that you, you mentioned. Uh, let's work through all the phases of that, of, of resolving crisis and, and prompt me along the way and give me um, unexpected events to happen that I have to solve. I want you to then judge my responses, how that might play out. And, 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 and it will play this uh, sort of role as a crisis training bot and map out that simulation, have you work through it. And by the time you're done with it, you get much better at rapidly solving problems. So that's one thing that I think is amazingly exciting is just literally forget your, your Sudoku or forget your crossword puzzle and, and, and turn, turn ChatGPT into a training bot to work through whatever problem you have. And you can do that in real time. And, and that brings me to my second part, Eric. It's these AI, as AI powered assistants, helping us with real time, real world problem solving. So a lot of the time training can be somewhat distant from the actual problem we're having. But right now, and I, and I do this with my own work, if, I, if I'm running into a problem, a leadership problem, I literally throw it into say ChatGPT, describe the situation, have it create a real time, real world simulation of that. And then we, and, and it helps co-pilot me through the problem solving process. So this will be amazing for helping us deal with the fog of crisis. And, and, and it brings clarity when everything else around us, our emotions, we get down into that basement of thinking as many of the, the listeners will know. Uh, when, when we do that, this, this, this stays above that and helps give us the clarity we need sometimes in, in, in that fog of crisis. Now, we know some of the limitations that, that exist right now. I know they're going to, these limitations will reduce over time. Uh, but one of them is that, you know, these uh, various, you know, I'll use ChatGPT as shorthand, but these various AI systems, they do hallucinate. They do make up stuff to yeah. fill in gaps. Um, and they sometimes may, may pull things out of context. I mean, they are limited to whatever is in the large language model. So it's always drawing on past information, uh, yet we're asking it to help us figure out the, the present and future. So how do you mitigate for those limitations? And, and you know, I guess one of the things I, I'm wondering about is, and I'm not giving away, I'm giving away a, a great business idea to somebody here, but if you actually were to build a large language model specifically around crisis situations and different ones, it would pull from the most relevant data and not just go scour everything. Uh, but how do you mitigate those li li limitations? So first, when I create these simulations, so for instance, the earthquake in Turkey, I wouldn't do that. I would create a hypothetical that would mimic it. Now, it, it won't have access to all the real-time data, though that's starting to change with uh, these large language models getting access to the internet. But it, again, still, it's more, it's what you want to keep in mind that at this stage, it's a, it's a training simulation, for instance. It's just very close and, and, and very real-time uh, to the actual problem. So I think that's that's one of the first things. The second thing is, I, I wouldn't 
pilot a plane, even if it had actual co-pilot, because I'm not a licensed pilot. And I think that's the other aspect here is this requires a professional. Even if you have that co-pilot, you're still the pilot. You're still at the center of this. And, and it's up to you to, to be aware if it is hallucinating or giving you inaccurate responses, which you can do. So it's not perfect. And it's really something that, in a way, if you're going to use it for, for a, a crisis intervention, yeah, again, you, you want to be sort of, you're the human at the center of that. And, and, and you have to make sure that what you're getting back is factual. And if it's not, that's okay, because really what we're trying to do is it's just helping you hone your abilities. Again, because you're the one in, 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 in the cockpit flying that plane, metaphorically speaking, not, not the co-pilot, not this sort of AI co-pilot all the time. And so I guess, I mean, right now is when we have the runway to continue your, your airplane analogy, uh, because these large language models are, um, again, working on existing data, they're looking back to grab things, and it, it's, it's best used as a training device. Now is the time to get really good with understanding and using the tools, because as you mentioned, we're not that far off from these tools having access to the internet and, and live data. And I, I, again, I can see where, uh, government agencies may want to build something where they intentionally stream in live data, so oh. that, that fog, fog of crisis is is real time. Your situational awareness is sort of in in hyper definition because you're able to pull in uh, lots of data sources that are live and then create a picture really quickly uh, of of what's going on. Definitely. So yeah, I mean, this is already happening. Bringing in real time data and fine tuning the model uh, to create more risk simulations, it's going past simulation and it's actually going to application directly. Uh, I know that, uh, for instance, in, in the business side of things, they're, they're creating um, different sort of uh, models for helping employees upskill and reskill. And they're streaming in, for instance, real-time uh, labor market data and streaming in data about employee performance. And then it allows you using this real-time data to, for instance, uh, understand where the market is maybe going, how I could upskill specifically and personalized for me. So it's only a matter of time in, until people start making crisis GPT. And I'm giving now away a good business idea, which is doing just this, where it's 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 models that are fine-tuned with uh, real-world data uh, and, and streaming that data in live to help uh, crisis leaderships. And hopefully with really good ethical and moral guardrails put in place as to what's what to do and what not to do. Because again, well, as you mentioned, the, manip the manipulation piece will still be out there and will still be something to deal with. That's something I'm working on right now and hopefully will be published uh, not too long from now is I'm, I develops a, a set of um, guiding principles on how to use this so that these AI powered, not, I'm looking at it from say an employee intervention, but how to use these AI powered systems in a way that maintain trust uh, and, 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 and a high level of ethical application. And, and it's making sure that leaders use these guiding principles or this checklist to go through and say, am I doing this correctly? Am I doing this correctly? And it's based upon uh, mashing up, for instance, the uh, gui guiding principles in experimentation with human participants and also the guiding principles uh, with uh, monitoring employees. And by bringing that together, you, you do set a very helpful set of uh, guardrails that allow us to ensure that we are uh, using this tool so that we maintain that sort of motivation side and we don't start slipping down that manipulation slope. 
Well, Godspeed to you on that publication, because I think we need that really quickly. Um, so in earlier work, you, you really explored how to, when you're looking at complex problems, I mean, one of the things you always talked about was what's the problem underneath the problem, right? Yes. So what's, and that's just more than just root cause analysis, but it is really looking at the complexity of causal factors. And so again, you know, and as we're talking today, sort of the, the use of AI in response is the most dramatic thing that we've talked about, but I can see it being really valuable in terms of both preparedness, but also recovery, because recovery is in essence, the first step in, in preparedness for the next Mm -hmm. event that may happen. So where's your thinking on this now? And how, how does AI change your thinking or or supercharge your thinking about how to really identify the, the underlying conditions that precipitate a crisis? So you may actually be able to prevent some things or at least mitigate the amount of damage that occurs. Yeah. So I think one of the first challenges I often have is just talking about systemic thinking and then systemic decision-making because it does go below the surface and by its very nature, then it's hard to see. And, and what happens then a lot of time is that we stay at that sort of visible problem to visible solution uh, a way of thinking and, and doing. And that's, I say, equivalent to, for instance, trying to duct tape dead leaves onto a tree. That doesn't work. Right. <laughs> so you got to find out, like, what's the systemic cause of why this tree is dying? And sorry to continue talking in metaphor and analogy, but it helps. Uh, you got to dig down into those systemic roots. So the first thing is, I think it helps paint that picture of these systemic roots. So AI can help us see that deeper systemic problems and how they're connecting many different crises because it can digest huge amounts of data from around the world uh, and then generate a very high resolution picture of that problem. And here's the important thing in a very understandable way. So I'm good at talking about it, but I, I can see sometimes when I talk about these systemic problems, because it's such a big, complex thing. And, and, and many of us have like, okay, I got that, but I have to solve this problem in front of me right now. You, you see people's kind of, you know, sort of looking and, and, and I, can, I can tell I'm losing my audience. Uh, and so again, this works as a co-pilot then to, because it's generative AI, it can take my complex systemic view of crisis and articulate it in a way that anyone can understand. So I'll give you an example about that. I just read the other day in, uh, an article where an ER doc uh, is using chat GPT this way. So uh, uh, a family came in with their, their, very, uh, their elderly uh, grandmother who was in her 90s, uh, having a, a complex problem. And, and it seemed obvious to the, the, the uh, the, the children that were there, that what needed to be done was an IV. And she was trying to explain to them, if you use this IV it, it, in, in terms of the complex systemic understanding of the human body and the problem that this ER doc was dealing with, that won't work. But she couldn't explain it in a simple way to get that family to understand. So what she did, she jumped over to ChatGPT, explained the problem and said, now please, please write this out in a transcript that would be very understandable to anybody. So then she was able to go back to this family, read that transcript, and, and then that transcript that was digested in a way that anybody could understand, that immediately diffused the situation. The family went, okay, they took a step back, let her, that allowed her to do her job. Uh, and then anytime they had issues again, she could reiterate that process uh, to explain these complex problems in very understandable ways. And then it's gonna go even further. And this is what I'm really excited about. And this is where I think a lot of my work is gonna go. We can personalize this message at scale. So we can explain complex challenges in very personalized ways at scale. What do I mean by that? So some people, for instance, prefer 
their, their information more visually. Others prefer written information, for example. So we'll be able to find out and explain these complex situations in very fine-tuned ways that are specific to, for instance, you, Eric, how, how, how you need to learn about that or how, how any listener uh, out there, and it will be able to do that automatically. And I think that's going to be the first major step that we can do with this is take all this data and help paint a clear picture and each picture being unique for each viewer. That's great. And that, again, that's a real challenge. I know I've been working with a, a large public health agency recently. And one of the challenges they had is that, you know, it's, a, it's a very a large population, extraordinarily diverse. And that's in terms of, yes, learning preferences, but languages, uh, levels of literacy around technical subjects and you know, science and medicine and healthcare and all of that. Uh, just a lot of variables. And you're right. I mean, to do to do the customization because everyone sees the customization is what you want to get to. The challenge has always been doing it at scale relatively quickly. And that's where uh, and we're, that's where we're going. Right, and that's going to be, I think, you know, I think terrific. Again, I think you know, again, you're talking about if you're talking about public health issues, you know, how would a seventh grade stu- uh, <laughs> a science teacher explain this to a kid? Yeah, great, we get that. Okay, now how would they do it in these eight languages? Yep. And and then and and then and then how would you translate that into a cartoon or into you know into a a graphic image or whatever and and begin to do that so that's uh that's that is really exciting that's um, the power of generative AI mixed with conversational AI it will take not only in, how, in eight different languages but then eight different languages in eight different countries and eight different communities with eight eight different uh, challenges you know and, and being able to take all that and create unique messaging for all of those uh, possible combinations. That's great. And that's just that's just the tip of the iceberg, obviously. I mean, again, I think there's so much so much insight. I've long been advocating for a as much as we do social determinants of health in the world of public health, social determinants of preparedness. Uh and and looking at okay, if you're again looking at a large city and thinking about how do we actually make this city ready for whatever it's going to face uh, next, having great mapping of the education inequity, the health inequities, transportation issues, all that stuff in a way that you may be, if you're in the mayor's office, be able to say, here are the interventions we can make that will best prepare us for X. And it may not be the traditional thing of, you know, put more food in the pantry. It may be, we actually need to address a health equity issue or an education issue or whatever to uh, to really improve the quality of life in, in the community. It will help us extract insights and then work on dissemination. I also know of a very large uh, public health agency that's looking at that insights and dissemination. And, and this is a great example of, it will, for instance, help us detect those early warning signals of a, what's called a creeping crisis. Uh, yeah, okay. And then being able to then mitigate that in, in a pre-crisis stage by disseminating those insights to people in a way that motivates them to step away from the cliff, for instance, you know, and and that's what we're trying to do is hit the brake before we go over the cliff, uh, and, and doing that in a way that's convincing at the at the n equal one level. That's great. Yeah, I mean, it's just so much happening, and probably happening relatively quickly in the months and years ahead. It's going to be hard to keep up, but there's so much exciting work that is going to be done. So, you know, you've gone from motivation to to misinformation and manipulation, but so there is the exciting and the scary piece of this. So let me give you the, the final question I give every one of my guests, and I, I'm, I can sense your excitement throughout this conversation, but I really want to know, 
you work on a lot of complex problems. You work on technology that could be dangerous as well as, as wonderful. What gives you hope? <laughs> you know, we, we as humans aren't good with these things usually. We tend to slide toward the manipulation and the bad side of some of these technologies. So I, I'm going to tell you exactly what I put in my book, What Gives Me Hope. And, and it's humanity's curious and uplifting nature. I mean, I know that we tend to create a lot of obstacles and problems for, for ourselves, uh, but we're also amazing at overcoming obstacles in our path. So people give me hope uh, without a doubt, 100%. That's why I get up in the morning. Uh, and and it's, it's, it's my driving force. Uh, my, my little tagline is leading with passion and purpose. And that's not just a tagline, it's a way of life. So ultimately it's humanity at the center of this AI revolution, which gives me hope and, and maybe even keeps me awake at night. Well, that's great. And Brian, thank you so much for sharing your insights today. You know, my guest for this episode has been Dr. Brian Spisak, Research Associate at the NPLI and author of Computational Leadership, Connecting Behavioral Science and Technology to Optimize Decision-Making and Increase Profits. It's a terrific read. It's available wherever you get your books. I urge you to go out and get your copy right now. And until next time, remember that you're it. Be ready to lead when it matters most. This has been another episode of Leader ReadyCast from the National Preparedness Leadership Initiative. Subscribe to Leader ReadyCast wherever you get your favorite podcasts and find out more about us at npli.sph.harvard.edu. Follow us on Twitter at HarvardNPLI. Thanks for listening and be ready to lead.